Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I am one of the gents, Stephen Ellis I am the other gent, I am Robert Wolfson Welcome back Summer is over couple more weeks is officially september 20th yeah. i believe but but the weather's been amazing still feels like summer bit I, of a, I love september yeah it's amazing september's great yeah the mountains look amazing the sunrise this morning was phenomenal yeah and the leaves are starting to turn i know that, my that wife, part i don't love no but the colors are awesome the colors are great and we don't get it for too long but it, it is beautiful it's harder to find your golf ball <laughs> that's right the leaves change color, they fall. It's just harder to find your golf ball. Well, stop using green golf balls. <laughs> yeah. Or brown. Or keep, brown. It, or keep it in the fairway. Or keep it in the fairway. That's yeah, right exactly. Although one thing about this time of year is you have to keep teeing off earlier and earlier because we're losing late pretty early. So those twilight times are getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, yeah. Shorter tee sheets. So, yeah, you can't. I, I teed off the other day with my kids at 7, 10, and we played six holes like that yeah. Was, yeah that was that was about it in fact they actually said at that time they were surprised that someone booked in for they, they actually had a time at seven ten. and uh for me that worked i had the three kids with me so it's chaos anyway and by, after about six holes they're done we were we were good yeah so it worked out pretty well anyway rob as you know i could talk about golf all day but this is not a golf podcast we i don't think we have that expertise no or a bowling podcast. I could talk about bowling all day, yeah. but that's that's actually a false sport. But that's yeah, we don't have time to talk about that. Yeah, and nor do we want to, quite frankly. <laughs> that's right. No, we don't. We want to keep our listeners awake, especially while they're driving. Yeah, let's do that, Rob. So today, uh, to get back on topic here, or to get on topic here, we're going to do a bit of a, a supplement to our our planning episodes. You know, we did introduction to lifestyle planning, and then we did one that was more retirement specific. And our plan has always been to do more episodes where we discuss planning. And for our new listeners out there, our planning episodes that Steve is referring to were a couple of the first ones that we created last year when we started doing dollars and cents with a couple of gents, but they are timeless. So really, if you haven't done so yet, go back in the library and have a listen to them because they are, they're really good episodes. And they're actually two of our most popular downloaded episodes as well. They are, yeah. Uh, we actually did those back in August of 2020, so over a year. It's amazing. We've been doing this for a year. <laughs> I, when I looked back at that, Rob, I was quite surprised to see that. So today, it's not necessarily an aspect of financial planning that we want to discuss, but ultimately ensuring the accuracy of a plan and how do you do that. It's obviously very important because the accuracy of the plan essentially is going to dictate the success of the plan. So when we're going through the planning process with clients, one thing we find and one of the questions we ask is, is this plan an accurate reflection of your life? I often say to people, when you look at this, this should feel like looking in the mirror, right? What you're seeing back is, is your life. So the question becomes, is this an accurate reflection of your life? And one of the answers I often get is, yeah, but, dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, but we might have to buy a car in three years, as an example. Or, yeah, but we've been thinking about giving the kids some money. So what that says to me is that 
there are some contingencies or potential contingencies that haven't been accounted for in the plan. Now, again, I call it yeah, but. So find what the yeah, buts are in your life. Uh, if I was to say, are there any other contingencies that you haven't considered? That's not the type of language people use. That's not how people think of their life. They just say, yeah, yeah. but, quite literally, right? So we're going to call it the yeah, but. And that's one T, just so everyone knows. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so again, all it is is taking into account all of the contingencies. And a lot of times, the reason people don't put them into the plan is because they don't feel as though there's the same level of likelihood or certainty in that particular contingency as there may be in other things, right? So if it's a travel plan that they've already booked, you know, that may be reflected in the plan because there's a firm plan for it. But the idea of doing a trip five years down the road may not feel as likely. So what I encourage people to do is take some time and, and look at if there are any yeah buts in your life and make sure that you're accounting for those things. So Steve, I have a question for you. So when you're considering these contingencies, these yeah buts, what percentage of realistic probability do you put in your mind to include it in the plan? So for example, one of my dreams has always been to have a fancy race car. So like a Porsche, for example, it's an expensive car. So it's a bit of a, maybe a pipe dream. It's definitely a wish, but what percentage likelihood do you attach to that one goal, Steve, that would make it realistic to include in the plan? That's a great question, Rob. And I think a lot of times that's the reason people don't include it in the plan because they see it as being a little bit unrealistic and maybe being a bit of a pipe dream. So they don't include it. What I suggest to people is, again, if that first thought when I ask if it's accurate is, yeah, but you have to consider it. That's the first step is identifying that that goal exists there. And then I don't know if you can necessarily attach a certain percentage to it. I think in your own mind, subconsciously, you're probably doing it anyway. And if you thought it was unrealistic, you wouldn't have the thought of, yeah, but. So it, let's use a really extreme example. If you said, well, I want to own a 747, right? Or a, a huge yacht, right? If, if that's a true pipe dream, you're not looking at your plan and going, well, that looks great, but I really would like to buy a, a, a jumbo jet or a yacht, right? So if you're already coming up with the thought of, yeah, but I think you have to look at it. And, and then really it becomes our job to say, how much is the Porsche? When do you want to own it? Is it new? Is it used? What type of Porsche is it? Maybe it's not turbo. Maybe it's not that expensive. Uh, I, I've driven Porsches. I don't own one, but I'll tell you, without the turbo, it's just not the same thing. <laughs> it's not, as, it's so not as fun. You're right. It, it's got to have the turbo in it. Uh, so again, I think by default, you know, the, the, the individual that's looking at that is going to have, whether consciously or subconsciously, ruled out the true pipe dream and is legitimately looking at it if, if they have a, 
uh, yeah, but in there. So as much as it might be a lofty goal, it still needs to be somewhat achievable as much as it might, might take some time and money and planning in the future it still needs to be a realistically achievable goal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think that really sums it up well. And, and again, I think most people are realistic enough that it, it's not going to be something that's completely unattainable if they're already getting to that point where you know, they're thinking about it and starting to consider it. And it doesn't need to be, I mean, you use the example of a Porsche. I think a lot of times people will question simple things. You know, it's not just major purchases. It can be simple things. It can be, you know, buying new furniture, for example. And that's actually a real example that I've come across. Or there's something that I like to do that I would want to do from a recreation standpoint, but I'm not sure I can afford it. So I haven't put it in the plan because that question exists about affordability. So we use extreme examples a lot to make a point, but it doesn't have to be extreme. It can be something really simple, but you still have that question as to whether or not you can afford it. So you don't include it in the plan, right? It's not brought up with your advisor as a part of, of your uh, expenses or your goals or what have you. So uh, again, I think if you know that it's achievable and attainable, and you're questioning that, you've got that, yeah, but it's it's worth exploring. It's a really good segue, I think, Steve, into there's really two types of plans that we discuss with clients. There's the numbers-based plan or the quantitative plan where you're actually going through all the dollars and cents and looking at your future, your picture today and projecting forward. And you want to account for something like a major purchase, like a Porsche or whatever it is in those numbers base. But there's also the qualitative, the lifestyle planning. So how would you account for that on that side of things, Steve? Yeah, I think really the, again, I'm use that term, yeah, but the, the contingencies come out of the qualitative side, right? Discussions in terms of what do you want? You know, what does your life look like for you uh, buying a Porsche with turbo? So that comes out of the qualitative side and then you work back to the quantitative side. But I think, again, the two are really interlinked. And we talked about that on our, our one of our previous episodes is that what stops a lot of people and what causes them to pause and not account for those, call them contingencies, is they jump to the quantitative side a lot of times, right? In their own mind, they jump to the quantitative side and said, eh, I probably can't afford it. And, I, and I've actually heard that before. So they've got this qualitative element on one side that they, they want to have or do, and they're jumping to conclusions on the quantitative side and saying, well, the two don't necessarily match up, so they leave it out. So I think a lot of times jumping to the, and, and again, the two types of planning have to work together. I don't think you can sort of have one without the other. And you move directions between the two. Sometimes you look at the quantitative and work towards a qualitative and vice versa. But in this case, I think a lot of times people are looking at the qualitative, jumping to the quantitative and making assumptions. And then because they're making those assumptions without necessarily having the data, right? The, the, the quantitative planning provides the data for them. They're, they're jumping to the conclusion that they can't afford it. So they leave it out. So by bringing it up to us, what they're telling us is, hey, this is something I want. Now let's go to the quantitative side and see if we can do it. So looking at, again, to use your example, is there money in the plan, right? Do I have the ability to afford to, to buy that 
Porsche. I don't love that example, but it could be anything. Really, it's about identifying what the, the qualitative element is and making sure that the quantitative plan supports it. So, Steve, yeah, we're referring to a Porsche, and you're right, it may not be the most realistic example for everybody. So, for our listeners, what are some other examples uh, that we've experienced uh, in the past that may be more relatable to our listeners? Yeah, like I said, furniture was was a real example. And again, that related to bringing people into a home, having people uh, into a home and feeling comfortable uh, with the decor, right? So new furniture to kind of spruce up the decor, which allowed for entertaining at the home, which was something that this individual really enjoyed doing. Uh, Another great example is things that are maybe outside of what you, you might normally think of doing, traveling first class as opposed to, you know, being back in, in coach. Do they still call it coach? I don't know. If they, they've changed the name to make it sound better. Economy, right? maybe. Economy, yeah. We'll just call it coach. That's, that's a little old school. Uh, but yeah, so, so things like that where, again, in the back of your mind, there could be all these things that you'd say, I really like traveling. I'm comfortable traveling in coach, but I'd really like to travel in first class once in my life or maybe every time I head down south or whatever it may be. You know, again, I think we talked about, you know, calling it a bucket list in, in our previous episode too. That's fine, right? I think it's fine. Sometimes those bucket list items, I don't want to say that people are sort of embarrassed to bring them up, but I think a lot of times, again, they feel like a bit of a pipe dream. And I think sometimes we lose track of the fact that we actually have the ability to make those things a reality. So in, in that particular case, the yeah, but was, you know, understanding the quantitative side and understanding that there was enough capital to be able to do that, but kind of not really thinking about um, where that capital could be deployed. Steve, those are great points. And I think in those examples, the yeah, but comes into... Uh, the mindset of the want versus the need and just making sure that you have the capital for those things that you normally wouldn't pay for because you don't want to sacrifice things that you need in the future with that money. So that's where the yeah, but comes into place. So yeah, the, the yeah, but essentially is, are you doing everything that you want to do with the money that you have, right? With the means that you have, are you ticking all the boxes? And they may say, yeah, but I wouldn't mind flying first class, right? So that's where the yeah, but comes in. Right. So Rob, we could, we could provide numerous examples. And I'm sure as you're listening out there, you're thinking of your own examples as well. I think the purpose of this episode and putting this out there is really to encourage people to think about what are your yeah, buts in your plan. If you've done a plan, if you haven't, get a plan done. But certainly consider those things and take them into account and make sure when you're looking at your plan that it's an accurate reflection of your life. That's going to ultimately ensure the success of the plan. So while you're out there thinking about what you've planned for, think if there are any yeah buts, get that plan in place and take those contingencies into account. So enjoy the last precious few weeks of summer. Hopefully you get a few more rounds in before the end of the season. Yeah, keep it in the fairway to avoid the falling leaves. 
you don't want to have to buy any more sleeves of balls at this point yeah, in the season. Although they're on sale, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of, then they just sit around in your garage all winter. I'm going to just try and lose all of them before the season's <laughs> over. Then I don't have to store them. Start fresh next year. Yeah, start fresh. Yeah. So thanks again for joining us. As always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>